0: This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal Constitution here with the 196th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're gonna title this episode "Where Will Devonte Freeman Land?" And we got a lot of ground to cover here. We're gonna start. We got eight things on our list. Y'all know we usually do five, but. We're going to move pretty quickly here. Uh, Devontae Freeman, we'll look at him. We got audio from Isaiah Oliver from last Thursday. I said I was going to play Rich McKay for y'all last week, but I got into other things and I didn't get y'all that Rich McKay. So we'll bring that to you today. We'll talk about uh, looking back at Super Bowl 51 as part of our Bizarre Moments series. And then uh, we have a new series we started here. Uh, Where are they now? And I wrote Brian Cox today, and I'll write uh, my Manuel manual for later. Uh, we'll catch up with a couple more other Falcons here, um, trying to help out uh, when we start these series. They, you know, expect us to pitch in. So I got a couple here, and I'm going to try to find a couple others. Probably going to reach out to Grady Jackson. That's was one of my favorites. I don't know about anybody else, but try to find Grady and see what he's up to. I see him on Instagram grilling a lot. I know he used to own a barbershop, but Grady was one of my favorites. So, and we'll try to catch up with him. Uh, Coach Quinn's a 30-1 uh, to, to win the uh, AP Award winner uh, with the sign of Deion Buchanan. It's number seven. They got 17 first-rounders now. And then lastly, I want to present to you all, and I'll put it in the uh, Cover 9 and 9 uh, blog, the case for Bill Nunn to be in the Hall of Fame, the great scout. Uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, a uh, former sports writer for the Pittsburgh Courier. And uh, we'll uh, talk about Rick Goslin's uh, article on the Talk of Fame ne- Network about Mr. Nunn. Let's go and get started here with Devontae Freeman, former Falcons running back. Uh, has a lot lot going on here in the last few days. Uh, allegedly turned down an offer from Seattle that was uh, up. Worth up to four million, according to Mike Silver, Fenderfield Network. Adam Kaplan uh, also was reporting on this. Uh, too. Uh, you know. Uh, uh so four million. Girlie got six. Uh, ballpark figure. Um, but it wasn't enough for Friedman, and and then some other reports came out that uh, you know, he debunked that he was uh. You know, go and retire if he doesn't find a deal worth his uh, worth his while. Guess he hasn't been following the running back market too closely. He should have handled his business here where he had seven, eight million on the table. Uh, a lot of um unsubstante. He has six million in dead cap for the Falcons. So you got to really mess up to get. You know, nobody wants to take a six million dollar hit on a player. Uh, so you know, whatever happened. From uh, you know him, the injuries in, oh, well, that would be 18 and then 19. Uh, you know, was it the blocker or was it Freeman? Uh, you know, whatever. I think he lost Bobby Turner is what really happened, but uh, but he still thinks he's an elite back, wants elite money, and and uh, didn't take that deal. And so he rebuked it, and the Seattle wouldn't sign uh, Carlos Hyde. And uh, he sent out a tweet and then uh, retracted, deleted the tweet. You know, he, he, cooler heads prevailed. But he's like, uh, he said, I got 10 years in me. Kill that fake retirement shit! Two exclamation points. BTW, F all y'all. I don't know who all y'all are, but if you know who you are, he told you, you know, he gave you the big F. He didn't say what the F stands for. Maybe it went famous, but yeah, Freeman's having a tough time dealing with life after the Falcons. Uh, hopefully, his folks will get it together down there in Miami and smooth things out and get a place for him uh, to land. The market's low right now, but uh, the uh, you know maybe things could change. He probably wasn't paying attention when the whole Le'Veon Bell thing was going on, but. Uh, it is a different market for the running backs. Let's get to some of the audio from last week. We got Isaiah Oliver here uh, on the Zoom call, and uh, let's go ahead and hear from him. And uh, right cornerback, Isaiah Oliver. All right, Felix, you want to kick it off? Yeah, hey, Isaiah. Um, thanks for coming on with us today. Um, how's the virtual
1: offseason been for you? Uh, and, you know, a little bit different, I would gather. Oh, yeah, definitely uh, very different, uh, for sure. Um, But something that I feel like that we've adjusted pretty well to, um, just as a unit, as a team, and then as a uh, defensive back group, um, just going through the virtual meetings, I feel like, honestly, the kind of relationships that we have with our coaches um, on this team has been fairly simple um, to really kind of understand the information that they're trying to give us. And communicate to us um, and then kind of relay that with each other uh, just kind of the relationships that we have we kind of understand what they're trying to tell us before I mean everyone on this team has been around for a couple of years at least um, obviously going to have some new guys but that route.
0: I mean, I think it's been pretty simple um so far. And uh where are you working out at and uh are you in California, Colorado here or and uh, you know, what was your um point of attack message, point of attack tape message and how are you trying to attack that uh in this, you know, kind of different off season? Yeah. So I'm out in Atlanta
1: still. Um, I've been out here um since we started that um, with the virtual off program. Um, but yeah, so the point of the tactic was really the biggest thing was connecting hands and feet, um, at the line of scrimmage, um, so I like can press technique and things like that. So really, uh, been working on that and then been been able to get out to some fields, um, you know, limited time, obviously, but on a couple of days and get with the other guys with some receivers and kind of work the techniques and things like that. So. Definitely
0: doing that um, these last few weeks so I'm forward to get some more of that. Thanks Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks Dylan. Vaughn? There's uh, our talk there with Isaiah Oliver's point of attack tape, hands and feet so you can press at the line of scrimmage. Uh, they drafted a cornerback AJ Terrell. they got Kendall Sheffield in the fourth, Isaiah in the second, Terrell in the first. If all those guys can play, you got three corners for a long time. Uh, You know, uh, if they don't, Bleedy Ray Wilson's still here. Uh, And, uh, you know, the depth chart looks a little bit better uh, than it has in the past at the cornerback position. So Isaiah Oliver, we wrote a story on that that's out there on, uh, you know, what they want him to improve on. He also told us that some of the players are going to the park and working out. I don't know which park. I know they used to go to Beaufort. Uh, park up uh, uh, because everybody was up that way. But uh, I don't know where they're going and uh, working out, getting some receiver drills and and, uh, D-back drills going. Uh, The guys he mentioned, some of the guys, uh, Devin Gray. Of course, the big name was Calvin Ridley was out there working with him. So uh, that was Isaiah Oliver. Let's go and go to uh, Rich McKay, the president. He was talking about the opening of the buildings last week. We also touched on uh, the draft, and that was in our Sunday story when we took a closer look at the 90-man roster. And then he also talked about the league's uh, poor hiring record uh, over the last couple cycles for the uh, minority head coaches and the uh, Rooney Rule uh, impending changes. But we'll play a couple minutes. We went with him for a while. I don't want to keep him too long here for us, but we'll get, get into a little bit here with Rich McKay. Falcons president and CEO.
2: Obviously, we're going to open gradually. That's kind of the word we used last night. We had a, uh, a team's call with uh, everybody that works in Flowers Branch and kind of described to them what we're going to do. The way we're going to do it is let out, let uh, in the um, or set forth in the league guidelines, which is we're just going to open initially with operational people. So today, it's about 15 people are here. It's all people that have operational duties. That, make the building run and get back to how we're going to operate. We want to understand all the protocols, how they're going to operate, what do we need to change, how do we need to make sure that it's as safe an environment as it can be. So that's how we started, uh, and uh, we're we're pretty comfortable with that. We'll get all the way up to 20 people by Friday, uh, so we're only going to go from 15 to 20. Next week, uh, D-Lead, will probably get up to 30. Uh, and then we will get we will get bigger than that for probably about three weeks until uh, potentially the coaches come back or whatever it may be. And then maybe we'll get up to that 75 number. But initially, we just want to do it operationally so that we understand how to how to do this in a very very safe manner.
0: And my second question was uh, is uh, you appreciate this law Question, uh, jurisdictionally, uh, who do y'all have to? Um, follow hall county flowery branch atlanta city fulton county or the state i'm trying to figure out uh you know jurisdiction wise who uh, who y'all have to comply with to uh, meet the league regulations well you are definitely uh, the lawyer in the group so you know
2: in our case the way the uh, nfl uh, procedure was set up is it says that they want you to comply with all state and local regulations and laws so for us, we start with the state uh, uh, shelter-in-place rules that have been, you know, modified as they have, had our lawyers look at that. We then went back and looked at Hall County because this is where the branch is, and we complied with that. Uh, so we, we feel pretty good along those lines. And then the league checked with us to make sure that, uh, as they did with every facility, uh, what are the current guidelines, what are the current laws and regulations, and are you in compliance, and we, we told them last week on, on friday that we would be in compliance and
0: we are okay so atlanta wouldn't come into play until games uh or on or, or tap for you that
2: that that's right and, and atlanta um uh would come into play because Mercedes-Benz stadium is in, is obviously in atlanta in the city of atlanta and uh and we have a big operation with a lot of uh employees there so it definitely has a plays a role but in Flowery Branch, we're in
0: Hall County, so we're, we're subject to the all County local regulations. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, that. Thanks, and thanks. Yeah, there it is, Rich McKay, President and CEO. As the facilities opened up, uh, just giving us the parameters and the guidelines for that. Uh, you know, you can Google him. We talked about some other issues, uh, the uh, minority hiring, and, of course, uh, the team, he, he, we talked about Thomas uh, getting them ready for free agency, Thomas Dimitrov, and then Dan Quinn checking off the list. So they gave us kind of a look into the hierarchy of the planning. You know, he felt they got the people that they wanted to get, although they did lose Robert Quinn. Um, he said he flipped a coin and went to Chicago. But uh, I don't believe that. He probably went to Chicago because they gave him more money. That's the way it usually goes down. So um, move on to item number four. We're gonna keep it rolling here. Uh, Super Bowl Fifty One Remix is what I call it. Uh, we um, it's part of our bizarre moments series that we're doing here during the coronavirus pandemic. We couldn't do the bizarre moments without talking about Super Bowl Fifty One. So uh, you know I interviewed Coach Shanahan at the Super Bowl. He finally admitted that that uh, pass play. On uh second and uh, uh second and eleven from the twenty three was a bad call, so that was a major breakthrough three years later uh, but um we also for this story got uh, to Brian Cox, the defensive line coach, and uh Marquan Manuel, the secondary coach at the time, who you know would later become the defensive coordinator just to get their perspective on the Super Bowl. And uh, they didn't want to simplify it and say, you know, it wasn't uh, as simple as Kyle running the ball. They would have won the Super Bowl, although, you know, that's the what the analysts are going to say. That's how history is going to say. That's what history is going to look at it. But, you know, they did the whole team game. Uh, you know, you got to look yourself in the mirror. Coach Cox said he could have rotated the line better. Uh, you know, he had five sacks, nine quarterback hits on Brady, so his guys were ready to play. Well, uh, hey, they needed six sacks and ten hits, and they, they didn't get it. Uh, but I looked at the numbers; it looked like he had rotated them, though. So I went back. Uh, it was 99 plays. I think Vic played the most, at 71. Beasley and uh, Grady was 57 plays. So he got he he rested. I don't know if he would have rested him more, because I mean he was playing Joe Volano and hadn't even been Garland in there uh, on on a on a snap. So. Uh, I thought he, I thought he, I thought he rotated himself, but but that's what he came up with. I can't argue with him. And then Marquand was like, "Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta finish. You gotta focus and finish." They didn't finish. Uh, he talked about a pass Robert dropped. If Robert catches that pass, I don't know if that was the Edelman pass or um. And I, I gotta go look at the last drive because he said he he said even to the last drive, even to the last play, they had a chance to win. I don't know. I didn't see it like that, you know, once it uh it was it came down to two big uh, you know, really three big turning points and some bad coaching decisions, but we went through our five reasons and we talked to them about what what they from their vantage point what happened and it was pretty uh, you know, it was pretty interesting to hear something new from the coaches who were there uh in the game. Uh, you know, we hadn't heard much from coach Dan uh, you know, other than they were going to be aggressive and rip it. I don't know if they, I don't know if they could have audible if he could have stopped the play, uh, time out. You didn't want to call time out because uh, you've been helping them out. But um, you know, Ryan, I don't know if he could have checked that into a run. But uh, Kyle was saying he he was hoping they could throw it away. But they had a pretty good pass rush and couldn't couldn't get that done. Then y'all know what happened after that. Um, you get the Jake Matthews penalty, pass to Gabriel, and they're out of field goal range. So, uh, the Super Bowl 51 remix, uh, through the eyes of Brian Cox and uh, and Marquan Manuel, we ran that. Uh, you can Google those names and get that story, or go to AJC.com or our Atlanta Falcons News Now page. So, Segway right into our new series we have coming up. Where are they now? Uh, I wrote Brian Cox today. I mean, he he pushed Vic Beasley to 15.5 sacks. He helped de- develop Grady Jarrett. Probably didn't do too good a job with Rasheed Hegeman. He admits that. But he hasn't coached a game since coaching in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, this coaching thing is funny. Uh, But he said he's been out for four years waiting for the phone to ring. And, um, you know, during that time, he's been, you know, self-analyzing. I can't give the whole story away. I don't know when it's running. But, yeah, be on the lookout for that one. Uh, Brian Cox, where are they now? Former Falcons defensive line coach, former player for 12 years, three-time pro bowler. Son is up in Buffalo. Brian Cox Jr. played at – Florida, and Marquand is going to Philly, you know, he, well, he left, you know, they don't, you know, make the, the coaches available, but, uh, you know, I, I called him, saw him at the combine, we chatted, caught up, called him, said, hey, I want to do this, where are they now, story, talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, and he's like, uh, I was like, hey, you want to talk about how to end it, he's like, sure, he's like, uh, sure, he makes me feel old calling Mr. Ledbetter, but, uh, Mr. Ledbetter, sure. No problem. Uh, you know, we talked about his relationship with Quinn and how that happened. He was on a one year contract. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to give it all away, but you'd be on the lookout for those two, a eh? uh, pretty good stories on, uh, where these guys are now, what went down here in the a, uh, what they hope to what they've been doing. Uh, Marquardt, uh, well, I don't want to give it away, but anyway, he was coaching his Little League team down in Pembroke Pines, so you know we had to talk about that, uh, Pembroke Pines uh, Bengals. So, we we'll be on the lookout for those. Uh, I'm going to take my time and do a good job with them for, uh, uh, you know, make sure that, um, uh, you know, folks get to know where they are and what they're doing. Some came out today for my gambling folks. Uh, I guess you could get odds on anything if you're just a de- degenerate and uh, like to bet. Uh, but they're trying to get betting lost chains here in the state of Georgia. Uh, but uh, one thing you can bet on right now is Coach Dan Quinn's 31 odds to win the AP Coach of the Year Award. And uh, he's uh, 18th. It's uh, 18 people in front of him to win that award. And... Um, let me see who is first. Check and Bruce Arians are one and two. And then there's a group of five at 18 with Quinn, uh, Coach Quinn. So if you, you know, if that's your thing, uh, we put it online. You can go get it uh, and go uh, bet that for yourself. We just got two more here. We're going to wrap up with uh, Deion Buchanan being signed and uh, the great Bill Nunn. Uh, Deion, when he was signed, Came came out of Washington State, hard-hitting guy. Terry Rubisky turned me on to him at the senior bowl. I was like, who can play? He's like, All right, I like this guy. I like this guy. Um uh Dion was one of the guys, so I went and interviewed and got his picture. Uh I put that in the signing story here from Combine. But Dion gives him 17. The Falcons now on the 90-man roster have 17 players. Who were selected in the first round of the draft are 11 on offense and six on defense. So here are the uh, here are the players that picked up just this year. Uh, first cornerback AJ Terrell, 16 overall in the draft, and then out on the out on the free agency streets, they um, in trading market they picked up Dion, who was 27th overall in 2014 safety college. Kind of box linebacker now. So, you know, he could play some big nickel and, uh, you know, those things for the Falcons. Uh, Dante Fowler, you know, they could put him on tight ends. He could jack them up, you know, play, be sturdy in the run game, all that kind of messy stuff that, you know, they try to do. When teams try to spread you out and then power at you, you got to have some power cats in there, and he's one of those. Uh, Dante Fowler, DN, third overall in 2015. Todd Gurley, running back 10th, 2015 overall. Laquan Treadwell, wide receiver to 23rd overall, 2016. Defensive end, Charles Harris, uh, 22nd overall, 2017. And then, of course, they traded for Hayden Hurst, the tight end, 25th overall in 2018. So those are people they picked up, and then you know the um, here are the uh, other first rounders already on the team. Matt Ryan, of course. Alex Mack. Ryan was third in 2008. Mack, 21st 2009 by the Browns. Julio Jones, the sixth overall, 2011. Uh, Guard James Carpenter, 25th 2011. Uh, Jake Matthews, six 2014. Keanu O'Neill, safeties Keanu O'Neill, 17th, 2016. Defensive end, Takaris McKinley, 26, 2017. Uh, wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, 26, 2018. Uh, right guard, Chris Lindstrom, 14th overall last year. And then right tackle, Caleb McGarry, 31st, 2019. So that's 17 of them, uh, you know, first former first-round picks. Hopefully they still have some left to take, can help the team out. And then lastly, I want to point you all to um, Rick Goslin's column on the uh, Talk of Fame Network. I'll tweet it out. I'll make sure I put it in the Cover 9 at 9 blog. But uh, it discusses the Hall of Fame candidacy of Bill Nunn. And if you are not a Steelers fan, uh, but not real deep in football, you would know, you may not know who Mr. Nunn is. He's a former sports writer. He was the uh, sports editor of the Pittsburgh Courier. And, um, you know, one of his jobs was he would go to the, you know, Pittsburgh Courier was big time in the, you know, media era, uh, you know, uh, for years. And, one of the things they did was the Sheridan, uh, poll, uh the HBCU, all American team. And Mr. Uh, none would go to the games and, uh, the best game of the week and see some of the best players at the uh, historically black colleges and universities. And so, uh, the Steelers, he would name these players and, and they would go on to play and, uh, 67, the Steelers hired him as a part time scout. And then 69, he was hired as a full time scout. And you know, Stalworth, LC Greenwood, Donnie Shell out of South Carolina State, just some of them. I want to give the whole article away. But um, Rick puts forth Mr. Nunn's name, and uh, I I fully support this as a member uh, to be a uh, candidate. Uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So we're going to wrap it up here today. That was a long one for us. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, we're going a little bit long here. Freeman, Isaiah Oliver, Rich McKay, Super Bowl 51 remix. Where are they now? We got Cox and Marquand Manuel coming up. Brian Cox. Quinn's 30-1. Deion Buchanan brings the total up to... 17 first-round picks on the Falcons roster. And then we discussed the case of Bill Nunn, the former scout of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and his worthiness for consideration into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. With that, we're going to say farewell from the 196th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons, music by DJ Magic.
2: The Atlanta Journal Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level.
1: Now Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster,
2: Bill Nigat.
1: I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC, and with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride.
2: Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy.
1: And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of Black people. It's a product of Black song.